0: Spokenly, I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed at that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded by blue and green grass. born bored years and like a dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from to handle that cape for the last time.
1: Return to Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Andean's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material.
0: Spoken Label. Hi, it's Ann from Spoken Label. A spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one-off podcast chatting to writers poets and artists over time it became monthly then weekly and occasionally nowadays it goes on that to a more regular basis to date i've done over 330 sessions and i'm always looking for new poets writers artists singer-songwriters general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast podcast you can find this on all of the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay, and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word, dot bandcamp dot com. Obviously, now, to help me with the running costs of this podcast, I'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can either do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts, or send it over my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo dot co dot uk enjoy the podcast take care bye spoken oh. label hi guys andy and spoken label back in the house on a and it's a tuesday afternoon no, it's a monday afternoon it's a long week already now we're not far away from me today Speaking to an old friend of Speakeasy today, and last time she was with me, she was under a pseudonym of Lady Alaria. But I, I don't think she used that name like Lady Alaria anymore, do you, Alaria? So <laughs>
1: I'm, a, I'm a proper grown up now,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <It's Elaria. laughs>
0: yeah, now I first met Alaria here, and we were talking about this on night before back in November 2019, didn't we? When you described it recently, and we're going to be kind to these people that run this because I've got one of them on Friends of Facebook mm-hmm. as a cult that wasn't a cult in. Oh, and Hume wasn't it? No, it was. That was a night. That was in the morning and a half, wasn't it? When I met you originally.
1: Yeah. So that was one of that was one of my first gigs, Um, and I just I wasn't really sure what to expect from the whole like spoken word scene, and and then I I did a gig in town. Just it was a comedy night that one, and I just read a funny story, and then someone asked if I wanted to be booked for this other gig, and. It was so cold. It was, oh, it, honestly, it was a, brilliant, and I loved it. But I've never been anywhere like that before.
0: It was an experience. And, about
1: it. Yeah, definitely yeah. an experience. That I had to. I think write it a was,
0: book. I think it was a Zion Center or something in Byandhume. But yeah, the building's gone now, anyway. So, uh, it was an
1: oh, climax.
0: that was it. That was it. Yeah, around the back of it. So yeah, I remember that because um, we were there, and Amanda was with me, and I was on to get, get been asked to read a piece out from Remembrance Sunday that morning, and. I remember that, and oh, such a sensitive piece it was. And then the next time you saw me really read it, your night, was to come on to in a bit, and you can rip me over that as well. <laughs> when I was launching F-bomb after F-bomb on stage, and I don't normally do that. <laughs> so anyway, Larry, this is about your course now. Well, obviously, you were on originally, people are wondering, on um, a release episode back in January 2020. So obviously, tell us very briefly, because okay, there's a lot I want to talk here today about today, about your background as a, a, a storyteller, the first of all, man.
1: So I I now work as um, a family storyteller. So mm. I go into like um, schools and libraries and art centers and theaters and stuff, and but that's my proper job now. So I'll I'll go in and I'll deliver family storytelling sessions, and um, where I'll do the fam- like the funny family stories with all my puppets and the scenery, and I'll do storytelling workshops as well. So the last time we would have spoken on your podcast, I wasn't doing that. That's like. That's, like, evolved since. Yeah. Like I've, always done, I've always led creative workshops with family, but more sort of, like, attached to, like, drama schools and drama academies and stuff. And it's been in the last sort of year that I've officially become, like, a professional storyteller. So that's become my job now. Um, oh,
0: which is brilliant. It's brilliant to hear that. Yeah. I, knew, I knew, when I first met you a couple of years ago, I knew you were going to head in that direction. And I was... Oh, and I, no, it's, it's great to see like, because... I want to, I want to t- touch on, I, to, I really want to talk about your book today anyway. But, yeah. obviously we'll come, but I want to ask you very briefly, first of all, because obviously when we would spoke originally, you were down for doing your two, two couple of shows, weren't you, in Manchester on Lady Alaria's Draws, which you were yeah. there then going to go to Camden Fringe Festival with, weren't you? So, But obviously oh lockdown God. came along and that delayed it somewhat. <laughs> so tell us about how that went in Camden, first of all.
1: Um, so I, I was due to be doing that in the... The year that we went to lockdown, like you said, so I did my previews um, in Manchester. I did those in the February, and um, other shows were booked in to to like tweak and refine and all this to then go to Camden in August twenty twenty. Obviously, that didn't happen, and um, so that was all delayed. But then I did go to Camden Fringe in twenty twenty one. So I went the following year, and that was lovely. We were it was kind of in that mid that mid phase of some gigs had started back some hadn't there was still loads of zoom um so it did feel very like overwhelming being in london doing my show but it was brilliant it was it was great and um, and it's made me really want to write another show so i'm working on another one at the moment um that i've kind of got a lot of the stories for and i'll be like reworking on those and i'll be doing some previews and stuff over the next few well, next few months really getting that already. So,
0: brilliant, yeah, brilliant,
1: I was constantly writing really. But when we first met to record your podcast, um, I was all hopeful for doing Camden Fringe twenty twenty. What what a fool I was! A look what was around the corner. Oh but no, I, we just we just didn't so know, didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I did, didn't. We? So I was I was stuck in that thing of I was doing some comedy nights that it didn't suit a storyteller. Then I was doing some poetry nights, but I didn't really know what, I didn't really know any nights yet. And yeah, I just didn't really know, I didn't really know anything about the scene. So I was just kind of trying to do my own thing. So in the last couple of years, I've just just followed loads of people on Instagram and that's the best way to find out about nights, isn't it? And other poets are so generous in letting me know about nights. But in the meantime, I've carried on writing loads. So that's the thing I've realised, I just need to just constantly be writing. And then when the gigs come up, you can do a you can do a good gig. It doesn't yeah. need to be that I'm doing a story that oh I don't really like this one, but oh, I read that. I can go in and do something that I'm dead proud of that I've rewritten. Yeah. And yeah, Brilliant.
0: Really? yeah, you have because it's it's obviously we talk about Manchester spoken word, and so it has changed a lot since lockdown started, opened up again last yeah. year, I think. And you've set a niche really with the storytelling side, I think, because there isn't. Certainly wasn't many nights before your nights, just stories when you launched it. Was it earlier on this year, was it? Or I don't think it was last year, yeah, was no, it? I
1: started it um, I started it in summertime, well like springtime. Yeah. and there's there's a, a couple of like, true storytelling nights where people can go and they can tell like a true story. So there's um long story short, there's her yeah. storytelling, but with long story short, it's it's not just the art of storytelling. It's like, you can go and you can tell a story in whatever way you want. So there are some people that they'll do like a song or a poem or so there's, a, you get like a variety of acts there. Whereas I wanted a night that was dedicated to like the art of storytelling. And it didn't have, it doesn't have to be a true story. Like you and Amanda have come along and done like flash fiction, and yeah. do you know what I mean? People come along and done sci-fi. So the the idea is that you just come and you tell a story. It doesn't have to be true. So yeah, I I wanted to do that because I love poets and I love spoken word nights, but I'm always I'm always the odd one out. So. Mm-hmm. I wanted you lot to be odd, odd for a night and then I can <laughs>
0: back. <laughs> 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 what you don't probably don't realise is I don't worry about poetry nowadays. I've kinda of just gone into flash fiction now on prose, so I've gone a a together altogether. So I know really? what you
1: mean. Oh, yeah. You?
0: Yeah, it's just where it's gone, where it's gone Terms like I said. So it's I've always a believer creativity, it moves in directions you're not expecting sometimes. Yeah. That's why, because um, over lockdown, me and Amanda were really like a Zoom writing group with a couple of people uh, I speak easy regulars, and it just kind of went in that direction naturally. But I managed to find myself uh, a voice I liked, and I just kept kept doing it.
1: Yeah, and that'll evolve yeah. again.
0: Yeah. yeah, you know what well, I mean. You might, you yeah, might do
1: poetry, or you'll find another genre, or you know, you just just it'll always change, won't it?
0: Yeah, I think. Obviously I want to talk about you more than me, because I could talk all <laughs> day. You know I and you know I can, right? <laughs> well, obviously, tell us about then obviously you said you've got into your te- you do more like your teaching nowadays, don't you? So did oh, you want to say
1: teaching? I what I don't okay. I
0: don't okay. okay. think oh, you're
1: up these Let's
0: teachers say, oh, <laughs> there's, there's rephrase that, yes, okay. Professional <laughs> storytelling then. So obviously, what um when we've obviously first met a couple of years, I know you weren't doing that at the time, but how has that developed for you over the last last since you started doing it then?
1: So I've I've always liked working with families and children and stuff, but I was kind of I was a teacher at Stagecoach, which is like um a drama school for children to go mm. to. And I was only doing that on a weekend and then the rest of the time I was like I was a promo girl. I was um I was doing things like handing out cough sweets at the train station and oh, like, whoa. new samples for new energy drinks. And it wasn't it wasn't what I wanted to do, but it was um I was doing that and then writing. And then during lockdown, it was the the perfect opportunity to really focus on writing. So I think I just really made the most of having that time at home. And I got, um, I was asked by a a couple of organisations I'd worked for in the past, got in touch with me to ask if I'd write them a story. So they commissioned a story and I was like, oh my God, my first commission for an adult story. And they were like, no, a kid one. And I was like, (laughs) "And And that isn't what I was doing. So I just, I looked around my house and I had, um, the rubber chicken that I use in the adult show. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I had him. I had this little mouse that was like to symbolise a dead pet story that I've got, but it's like one that I love that story. So I had that little mouse and I had this little monkey Albert that was he's part of a story that I do about um flamingo lands that I went through as a child. So I had these and I was like, Are you mad the back? And I was like, Yeah, I'll I'll I've got a story, yep, yep, sorted. Bye. And then I was like, oh, what do I do? So I had all these little props that were for the adult show. That rubber chicken is used in a in a very perverted context in the adult show. Well, we won't
0: we won't go into that, will we? So oh, no. let's move, let's move, okay. change topics.
1: They became little crazy housemates that all lived in this little cottage in Honeypot village. And then I, I got an artist to make me a backdrop. And that just went really well. And then I really I really put in the time to speak to other other people that are like um children's poets and children's storytellers, and that led on to loads of work. And suddenly, I was doing work for the Lowry, for Z Arts, for Trafford Libraries. So I'm so, I am so glad that um I was commissioned to do that that first one because it led yeah. on to so much lovely stuff.
0: Oh no, brilliant, man! Yeah. really made up for you that one because people, will obviously, don't mean Amanda man to love you and your work. We do so it, it means a lot to me. Because like. it's always nice when you see people that we generally like. Actually, a you're great writers getting with the success you do, and you deserved it definitely. So, now okay. talk about big success. What we're here today, and if we've got here in a very roundabout way, which is very <laughs> you and me. This, well, I want to talk about your book really, because obviously it was come out through Bentkey Publishing.
1: Is.
0: Yeah, the, so the wonderful Bentkey Publishing, obviously run by the well, even more wonderful Rebecca Kenny as well. Now another another big friend to speak easy as well, and spoken label as well. Because I don't know if you you spotted Alaria. She actually co-hosted and um, guest-hosted Speak Easy last month, she did. She loved it. Yeah. No, had uh,
1: a great time.
0: Yeah, brilliant. The audience loved her. Wrong. She really did a great job of it. Now, obviously, we're here to talk about Tales of a Confused Life today. So tell us first of all, then, why the title Tales of a Confused Life?
1: So, um, the The producer that I work with, Michael, um, Michael Jacob, he's got um, his quotes on the front of the book. He, um, I've always, Michael has given me so much advice over the years. I've known him for about 10 years now. And he's been such a, such an amazing mentor to me. And he produced my last show and he, he gave me loads of advice on like re-edits for the book. And before I was, before I submitted them to Rebecca, um, I would always be like, Michael, is this okay? And Michael worked on loads of loads of sitcoms I grew up watching as a kid so he's he's so experienced he's so lovely so patient and we've always joked like what a confused life I've had um, and with every with every story I'd send him over the years he was like oh god another one like more confusion more like things just happen around you and, and all this and we've kind of said about how a lot of the book and a lot of the show is kind of things happening to me and then me kind of accepting them and then overthinking them so Tales of a Confused Life was kind of a joke that me and Michael had over the years, and the more I, the more I was thinking about like working towards a book. That just seemed like such a a perfect title. And I think now, now you've read the book, it suits it, doesn't it? That oh, title,
0: it's very. I yeah. I thought instantly, it's very you, but not yeah. in the sense of like you're confused. No, it's not that. <laughs> you just had um. Because obviously I've heard you read several times now, and I know I knew most of the stories in this book as well. When, I picked, when you sent yeah. me a copy of the book over, you just had a rather—I think the word is unor- should we say unorthodox. Is that a good word for it? Yeah,
1: that's probably quite a good word. Just
0: yeah, I think I, if you'd ever do a book too, I'd say tales of an un- unorthodox life.
1: <laughs> well, there talk. we go. I don't know if tales of a confused life would go on and on and on. It's I'm currently still living <laughs> that life, Andy. <haven't>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the way it's like it's a great book. It really is, and I, it's, it is. What's good about your book, Alaria, is it's when you obviously people know you when they hear you read, you, you're very, very distinctive on stage, and you, you show through your stories and it transcribes just as well onto the page. It really oh, it tick, tickled me in some of these pieces. It did like <laughs> and I don't want to go into loads of them because I want people to read and base as I always do. But I want to, the one I didn't, I forgot about was The Naked Family.
1: Oh God, yeah, that's true. That one, yeah.
0: <laughs> I had the feeling it was. He better tell us a story about that one because I want people to hear that one.
1: <laughs> well, well, that's only a short one, so I can tell you that one if, if you fancy it. Yeah, but you one, on. then, yeah, please do. That yeah. one was part of like that. I, that could be a longer one, really. Um, there were other naked incidences that happened involving that window cleaner, actually, but. <laughs> I, I always like to have like some that are kind of more like pieces, like sort of like short comedic essays. And mm. then some that are just like really quick. So if somebody, so that then if I'm doing a night and they, or more of a festival type event, and they just want just like a couple of funny stories, that's a good short one to reach for. You know, when people have had a drink and they don't- Yeah, yeah. Concentration's a bit lower and all this. So I like to have a few short, snappy, funny ones nestled in amongst some meteor pieces. And that, yeah. that short, funny, there you go, quick laughs.
0: Yeah. It does, it works really well because the book itself is like is a mixture of that really. I'd <laughs> love the fact that you had you had piece you had two lots of trilogies. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you had you got your Italian trilogy, obviously people are knowing judging by your name, there is an Italian background in your family. That's a big clue straight away. And also like your traveller's tales as well. So when you set the book up originally was it planned to have these in as trilogies almost, or did that? No, was that
1: at all? Ah. no it wasn't. Um, I think so. Re- Rebecca did the call out, and I'd already, I mean, I always, I already really liked Rebecca from when I'd spoken to her, and like she's just lovely. And she's so I'd seen her about, and I thought she was great. And then I loved her whole, the whole story that went along with why she set up the publishing house and stuff. So I, I just, yeah, I had to get in touch with her straight away. And I just sent over a handful of stories, thinking that she wouldn't actually want to publish it because I'm not a poet and um, it's not really what like it's not really what she was doing at the time and um, and then the more I started started to go through what I wanted in the book to make it feel a bit a little bit more legitimate me and Michael sat down and Michael's like it really is a good idea to group to group your stories he was like a good idea to have it in chronological order so it just start in the beginning me as a little girl and it just finish up until me being like a storyteller really but it, that was Michael's idea to group to group certain stories. Works really really well. It's like a real book then, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: it does. I liked it. And obviously, I liked as well, we had in between the sections, you had a number of photos, obviously quite personal photographs of you. And your your sister sister kept cropping up in several of them as well. She did. And that gives it that sort of real, the, what's the word? An earthiness behind it, definitely. So that's why. Yeah, authentic. That was the word, yeah. yeah. today. Yeah. So yeah, authentic, does it? Because it made you... It made it feel more real. That's why it showed you. That's what I love about you is that you work. You get you look. You get humour at the most unorthodox things people people wouldn't even dream of doing.
1: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I think a lot of these, if you really strip strip these stories back, a lot of them could actually be really really upsetting. Like it's a lot of really horrible things that have happened. But I think as I've got older, because I've got my mum's very funny. I come from a very funny family, but. I think in step I think reframing these stories in a different way has given me it's quite empowering. Actually, that it's like I could write a book about being really sad about the Italian, and um, but actually, I think it's quite empowering to just be like sod him. Actually, like he he is an ass. You know, let, let's just leave it at that. He was probably a really funny character, so it's I can I can pick and choose the things that I want to. To write about and the way I want to like, I don't know, like just the way that I want to present them, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it does. It give give it your own personal stamp of it. And it it's it's a fantastic book. It really is. It was that's like so I've read several books on blend bent keys, and they're all great. Yours is yeah. because it's different, and that's why. And I think it stands out. Just it stands out because we see your personality in everything you write on it. So definite. So so where yeah, do you see? That come cool
1: with age, that.
0: Oh well, he gets my age. If we find, find him from the hip all the time. Do you have any idea, any idea which direction you're going next with your creativity?
1: Um, so I would I would love to, I would love this next show that I'm that I'm working on at the moment with Michael. Mm. I would love that show to feel like a a really big next progression from the last one I did. That last show that I did, I was so proud of it. I was very very happy with it. Um. But in tone, it was very light and very, it felt quite young as well. I think the persona that I I was going with at the time of wearing like that big lemon dress, the little tiara, you know, being called Lady Ilaria, writing a lot about childhood. I think it it did feel very light, very sort of like surface level almost. Whereas Mm. for this next show, I've. I've developed so much as a writer, and I am older now as well, and I have a, I've got a different life now. So I would like that next show to feel a little bit darker in tone. I think. Um, I mean, I'd lo- I'd love another book, wouldn't we all? Do you know what I mean? I'd love oh, to,
0: who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to to just have lots, lots of things that I'm constantly working on. I would, I would love to have it as an audiobook. I would love that. I'm, su- I'm kind of
0: surprised that hasn't gone for an audiobook yet because. You I, don't avoid... I don't know
1: what to do with how to do that
0: though. I'll get you to speak to Amanda about that. She's the expert on Audible more than me because I'm
1: sure.
0: frankly shite at it, right? <laughs> 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 but anyway, anyways, I'm, I've got this podcast. Any children listening to this podcast, I do apologise there, right, <laughs> for the language. Yeah,
1: let's get them away.
0: Yeah, I could definitely get them away. But yeah, like it's, um, I think it's as it, always the creator has both said already. You've got to be constantly evolving anyway, and yeah. nothing stays still anyway. It does. That's when your problems begin as a creative person. So, definitely, like I said, I could well see you doing another show and hopefully in the next year, do even another book, maybe as well. So,
1: who knows? eh? who knows? I would, I mean, I'm, I am constantly working on stuff that so I've, I've always got enough like material for bits and mm. bobs. So, yeah, I think that's the key, isn't it? It's not like, oh, I've got a book, right? No more writing now. Well, no, because you want your next book to be even funnier even even weirder even even deeper you know you want you just want it constantly to be a better version of your last one don't you yeah
0: you do when this i mean you see when you're basically doing your living your writing your experiences your stories will get funnier because you'll be able to realize what to write about more often than not so and, I, and I've got questions things I could ask you topics I could well imagine you write about but I'm not going to ask him on this podcast because <laughs> I know several things I'll be asking you about. So.
1: yeah what you've said there is something that has I have been thinking about actually mm. I think at the moment the majority of this book is like and the things I'm writing about at the moment are like are things that have happened so they are like embellish tales about actual incidences that happened whereas i would like to get to a stage where i can develop as a writer in a way that i can write about an, an issue a thing a feeling an incident that that wasn't just a funny story that happened do you know what i mean so
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: That's not like a political writer but i'd love to be able to write about like a bigger topic than something yeah. that happened on a train or a holiday yeah, yeah.
0: do you ever, ever envisage yourself writing a novel maybe when you get a bit older
1: um, oh God! What an achievement that would be. I think concentration-wise, in the way that my brain works, I that would I would find that a real challenge, and I think I'd probably get lost in my own in yes. my own story, maybe. But it, yeah, I was. I, I mean, I'd like to, yeah, one day.
0: Yeah, I'm the same. But I keep trying. I'm not never quite managed it yet. But then I've got a wife that sits. next. is in our study at the moment. She's wrote about seven novels now. She has. I don't know if she does it. <laughs> but anyway, that's Amanda's story, that one, definitely. With that. So, no, that's excellent. So, yeah, they said, I think definitely Audible's a great version for your, for your audiobook in the future. But anyway, that's the story for another day. So, now, obviously, we'll start wrapping up on, before obviously we'll let you do the hard sell on the book, tell us a bit more. We need to go touch more a bit about just stories, don't we, anyway? So, we've hinted yeah. at it at the beginning of the show. So, tell us about then... What is just stories? People who are interested because in? I think it's a great little night you've got going there and got others.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, so, just stories is um, is a storytelling night in Manchester that I host, and every every month I I tell a story. I start with telling a story, and then I I have um, I, I do like an, an open call for writers and storytellers to get in touch with me and. I don't just say yes to every single person. The email's over. I, I try to like curate the the night each time. So I will have like usually I'll have a couple of a, a couple of dates on offer at a time. So if someone's done like lots one after another, it's like ah I'll have you on that night and I'll put you there. Just try and mix it up a little bit. Um, but there's been there's been some people that they've. For the first event, actually, there was um, a gentleman that he didn't want to come and perform, so he wrote a story, and I, I got an actor to read that story. Oh, what? So, yeah, wow. so it's kind of like it's it's very open in the fact that you can come and just tell a story in in whatever state that story's in. So there's some people that they're they're working on something that's like a three part thing, so they've come along for a few, and it's like they'll do like the, the second part to it and the third part to it. And it's it's been brilliant. It's so, there's so many amazing people out there that probably feel a little bit like I do where they're like, they don't quite fit that night. They don't fit this one. but actually this one suits because it doesn't really fit anyone.
0: Yeah. honest so, good brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Cause like, because particularly nowadays, like people know, I'm not writing a lot of poetry nowadays, certainly not performing any. I've got to Everything, but that, but it's, it gives me a chance to explore different things. So it's tremendous. Yeah. So, so definitely, that's good luck. But definitely, now, yeah, it's great. The crowd it is so now, obviously. We'll give you the hard sell now. When's that night normally on, Lynch? I know it's been varying a bit, hasn't it, because you had um, jury service on recently. Oh, God, well. I know. I'll
1: get a few stories out of that, won't I? Um, probably,
0: so, I reckon that's a novel person. I it <laughs> is, the
1: jury. Um, so and <laughs> the next one is on the Wednesday the 21st of November, and that's at 7 o'clock at Gulliver's in the Northern Quarter in the back lounge, and it's free.
0: And do you have, do you have one plan for Christmas, down here before that as well? Ah,
1: yeah. Oh, I should have already had this down, but look, I'm so old school with a paper diary. <laughs> so, I do have a Christmas one. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. The November one is the 23rd. Oh, it's
0: good to my have a 23rd
1: then. of November, and the Christmas one is December the 21st.
0: Oh, blimey Christmas week. me. It's yeah, just for yeah. Christmas, yeah.
1: What a little blimey. treat that would be. I oh might get God. a box of celebrations, pop them at the front, you know. <laughs> no expense bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
0: tell you what Amanda's doing for speak easy in a minute, off mic. Anyway, for December, so
1: <laughs> really? oh, yeah, I
0: know. Anyway, Laria, um, let you do the hard sell now to get hold of your book? Where do you recommend to go?
1: Ah, so the book you can buy the book from uh, the Benkey Publishing website, and it's a gorgeous website. There's all the other beautiful books that are on there, but it, buy this one. If you buy any of this, buy this one as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah thank you Publishing, um, it's on their website. And look how pretty it is.
0: Gorgeous, absolutely. People have just done the audio version of this obviously can't see how gorgeous the cover is. Go on the Ben Key website and have a look for the cover. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Take it more. We we wouldn't lie to you, right? So <laughs> it is
1: a good Christmas present to buy someone because <laughs> right. Well, the hard sell is coming. Because it's um because it's like short stories. I think if you're like if you're going on a train. And all the tram and you, you know, you just want to read one. You can, if you want to read one quickly while you've you've got your your chips in your air fryer, you, you can read it. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not overwhelming. It's not like right, I need to concentrate. It's just they're just little stories that you can just read, pop down again, have a cup of tea, pick it up again. It's really manageable and easy to read. So a good present for any adult you love. Or so well, like don't them. I don't care if
0: you like them or not. Buy <laughs> the <laughs> <Find a> book. <laughs> okay. I'll to wrap up Ilaria. So if people want to find out more about you, where do you recommend they go?
1: So I've got um a website. It's a new website actually. So that website is Ilaria the Storyteller. And I've got all information about my book on there, about um, just stories, the events on there, the adult storytelling and the children's storytelling. So that's my website's got everything on it. Um mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter, at Ilaria Passery, and I'm on Instagram, at Ilaria the Storyteller.
0: Brilliant. And I'll say for Just Stories, then, I know there's a page on Facebook and that. Is it anywhere else as well?
1: Yeah, the Instagram's where it's where it's more popping off. Um, so that's on Instagram. It's at Just Stories Manchester.
0: Perfect. Okie dokie. And what we'll do is we'll take a quick break now, and we'll let you come back to us when we read out the poet for us. So we'll ask you more questions about it in a minute. So, p- tremendous, Laria. Really, ask. always like it. So we we'll love talking to you. You're so vibrant, and people here. So buy the book. Okay, let's do it again. Buy the book, right?
1: <laughs> buy the book.
0: <laughs> See you in mm. a minute, guys. Spoken Hi, guys. Andy N. The fantastic Laria straight over to larry now she's going to do a story for the book and i'm going to i'm, I'm going to ask her a few more questions about this afterwards over <laughs> to you larry
1: thank you so this is the last story in the book and it's called the poets so are you ready i have never collected things because they just have clutter but i do collect people generally i collect them for an hour at most on trains trams and in pubs An hour is about long enough to listen to their bizarre life stories, thrill with horror at their chicken porn, or answer their weird questions. It's all filed under material. So when I heard a bloke swearing imaginatively at a self-service checkout in Tesco, I had to look. Now, he certainly seemed like my kind of person because he was wearing a frank side-bottom jumper. He was saying things like, you soulless piece of capitalist crap and you Tory redundancy robots. He caught my eye and asked me to help him. He hadn't grasped scanning. It turned out that he was a poet called Brian, and he asked if I'd have a coffee with him, so I did. Now, I'd been writing short stories for a while, but I didn't know what to do with them. But Brian told me about his poetry and his passion for spoken word, and chatting to him opened up a whole new door to me, and I realised there was a community of people that would want to hear my stories. I immediately christened them The Poets. Now my experience of poetry was mainly from my school days when our English teacher would hand out anthologies. The poems all seemed to be from the distant past and used funny words. The teacher looked dead behind the eyes and we'd all just stare at the clock, waiting for the bell to ring. Now Brian invited me to come and perform one of my stories at an atheist service. Now this, was a bit of a shock. An atheist service? Surely those two words don't go together. It sounded like a, a vegan hog roast. Was it code for Satanism? Did they want me as the sacrifice? And then I realised they only sacrifice virgins for you. It sounded like an adventure though, and I could tell one of my stories, so I agreed. And I went into agonies of indecision about what to wear. Now, what would be poetic, atheist, and also flattering? In the end, I went for dungarees with pictures of Frida Callow on. Now, she was bohemian. She had a monobrow. Did I have time to grow one? Not really. Nice outfit, Brian said when I arrived. So that was one test passed. The service was in a hall that had once been a cinema, and it smelled musty. There were red plush seats, some with springs poking through it was all very atmospheric. The people all looked vaguely arty, pretty scruffy and strangers to a good bath. There were a lot of beards and the women had dyed hair in bright colours and wore big hoop earrings and wooden jewellery that rattled when they moved. Quite a few were knitting. It was all exciting. The host or compare or MC, I didn't know what the atheist term was, announced that the theme of the day was, don't worry, be happy because we only have one life. He did a few minutes on that and then invited the first participant on stage. Now this was a woman in a multicolored knitted hat who ran up onto the stage and gave a spirited rendition of Hey Big Spender with instrumental breaks on a kazoo, a kazoo. It was pretty wild. And it got even wilder still when she started handing out gifts that were books from her ex-boyfriend's parents. They all seemed to be about quantum physics, so I took mine, thanked her, and hid it under my seat. After the woman, there was a procession of poets. They didn't seem to worry about the theme. They just seemed glad to have an audience. This was so different to the poetry at school. Spit was flying everywhere, and people didn't applaud. Instead, they just clicked their fingers. I had felt a bit nervous when I arrived, but as time went by, I had an odd feeling of being at ease that these people were somehow my people, that they were they were happy, they were at ease with themselves, they dug deep into themselves. And admittedly, some of the poems were more like rants. Some of them had no ry- rhythm at all, and some I didn't understand. But along with the shabby outfits, piercings and tattoos, they seemed like people I wanted to get to know. I whispered to Brian that I thought poems had to rhyme, and he said that they didn't. Then he told me I was up next. Suddenly I was nervous. The Frida Kahlo dungarees were possibly the smartest outfit in the room. I own a bean to cook machine. I drink strange cocktails and I talk about hair and makeup with the cocks and curtains. By most standards, I had a bohemian upbringing, thanks to my mum. But would the poets think I was some kind of interloper and accept me into their world? Or would they drive me from the building with poetic curses? We have a newcomer today, the MC said. She's a storyteller from Salford, so everyone give a warm welcome to Ilaria. That was it. I was on. I started to perform my, my Flamingoland story, the one about the Cloth, where my sister and I confronted death and Albert the monkey. It suddenly dawned on me how out of place I was and, and how silly my story was. Worse, I'd had a sausage roll before the gig and my Doc Martens were real leather. Bugger. It was time to think on my feet. Of course, like I said, uh, "Flamingoland is a metaphor for hell." The women atheists put down their knitting needles and stared at me. I began to jabber. Um, and Albert the monkey is a uh, is Philip Green from Topshop, and the Jacob. Well, the Jacob represents the fragility of right wing politics, and uh, and and how they're starting to unravel. And my little sister putting her hair on top of her head to get on the rides is sticking it to the man. There was a moment of silence. People exchanged confused glances. And then a bloke in a tie-dye bandana said, she's conceptual. Conceptual, conceptual, conceptual. The word went round the room. And then everyone cheered. Yeah! Jesus Christ, I was worried you'd hate me. And then I remembered that it was an atheist service, but nobody seemed to mind. After the performance, there was tea, coffee and biscuits. This allowed me to do one of my favorite things, to eavesdrop. I overheard conversations about veganism, pronouns, the cotton trade, freeganism. It was also new and exciting. People being kind and telling me how powerful my story was and asking if I was purely conceptual and had I thought about adding a dance element to my work. I then overheard a couple of the poets talking about an app that helped them to find rhyming words. Now, remembering what Brian had told me about rhyming, I joined in with confidence and said, oh, well, I thought poems didn't actually have to rhyme. The two poets giggled and said that all decent poets rhymed and asked where I'd heard that. I gestured towards Brian, who was in deep conversation with a green-haired person about the many uses for chickpeas. They rolled their eyes and shook their heads. Now, Brian clocked this, marched over, was told what we were discussing and in response said that emotion and expression did not rhyme. The rhymer said he was showing no discipline. It was all getting a bit fraught. Well, I said, at least he's not a Tory. Brian jokingly said that he'd never even shagged a Tory. Everyone laughed. I said, oh, I did, but by accident. Everyone went quiet. But but he was rubbish and he just kept calling me Maggie. The tie-dye bandana bloke had just wandered over and was delighted. You're so conceptually said. Your persona is just amazingly cutting edge, highly political stuff delivered in silly dungarees. Silly dungarees, arsehole. But I wasn't going to pick a fight though. It seemed like a good time to leave before they asked me if my DMs were made of real leather. Everyone said I must come back and Brian said I'd done him proud. But it was a near thing. I wondered on the way home, whether or not I should tell the and curtains about it. In the end, I decided not to. The worlds were just so different. It was better to keep them apart. That's the way it still is. Girly stuff with the girls, stories with the poets. Being conceptual was really too big an ask. So I just worked more on my stories. And I've never really shagged a Tory. That little interlude taught me one thing, that the poets, although they are funny, they don't really do jokes. The end.
0: <laughs> Tremendous excellence to Hilaria, that one. Thank yeah, you. I'm not going to ho- ask the surname of Brian to know which Brian that was, to be honest you, right?
1: <laughs> it's Steve Mingle. Oh, was it Steve Mingle?
0: Yes. Oh. oh, we've outed him now. <laughs> oh, yes, I should have guessed, it, should have guessed it was the Mingle. <laughs> Oh, who's got the? You ever you want to see Amanda have a crack up? I'm going to tell you this now on camera. I don't care. He's got a poem piece called round called "Delivery Bastards." Yeah. And every time he's read that, Amanda it starts fought nearly nearly fell off the chair twice now, and that's yours.
1: <laughs> brilliant, isn't it? he fought so yeah. at my book launch. He did a uh, King Dong and a few others, and oh, he's oh, he's so brilliant.
0: We love Steve. He'd been on Spoken yeah. Label once a couple of years ago now. And I need to I'm gonna get him on to talk about his football novels sometime, just so as it's yeah. sort of completely different. So but he's done several bits and pieces, and we love him. Absolutely great guy. Yeah. So. so that
1: that's Steve Mingle in that book. That, he was one of the he Was one of the first people I met doing this, um, and it, yeah, it's just he's just so cool, isn't he? So he's really? made and, it, and yeah.
0: he's, he's probably the most i would never call him a poet either because he's like he's like you, I think he's a storyteller, really,
1: yeah,
0: or, or a story ranter if he's doing delivery with bastards,
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's a ranter, yeah.
0: Oh, god, yeah, completely, anyway, <laughs> anyway. So, thank you again, thank you today, Larry. We're gonna chat a bit more off mic anyway. So, it's been fantastic. Good luck with the book. Give us a give us, show us the book again so we get another book. Oh, quick there
1: we go. <gasps> yeah.
0: Ooh, so you look that at that, see you now. We
1: are a, a you look at, the, yeah.
0: look at the yeah. artwork, everybody. And if you can't see it on the audio, just so go on the website, Then Keep yeah. Publishing, have a look at it, do it that way. So it's been a pleasure, Alaria. So we shall thank see you, for you. Having me. you soon, yeah. Anne. It's been great. Okay, we'll have you on again when the I next think... book's out. Hopefully, not in about 10 years' time, right? So no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure, anyway. So thank you again, my friend. So, right, guys and girls, that's it for today. As Don at Don Calester Impact Wrestling says,
1: stay safe and stay over. And we will see you all next time. Spoken man.